and welcome to this episode of the Making It in Asheville podcast. On this podcast, we talk with local Asheville makers, business owners, community members, ask them what they are making and how they are making it in Asheville. And in this episode, this is our very first live and Mm in-person episode since way back. I don't even, 2000, early 2020, pre-pandemic, it is wonderful to be here. And where exactly are we? We're going to get into it. But I will just say, uh, I just took a tour of the wrong way. Let's get the whole name out. Wrong way. River Lodge. River Lodge. And cabins. And cabins, which is, I'm going to use a couple buzzwords and we're going to define them all. Um, Here with the two founders, creators, owners, Shelton and Joe. And I'm excited by all of the things I've seen, all of the things I've heard. You likely have heard some things about the wrong way, Riverside Lodge and cabins. Um, But the things that are standing out to me so far is this idea of scapulation. Mm-hmm. Did I use it right? Cool. Absolutely. And then uh, how sustainability has showed up in every room that we've walked into, every piece of wood that I've stepped on, mm-hmm. uh, every handrail that I've touched. Mm-hmm. So quickly, uh, I would love to just give you both the floor, introduce yourselves, introduce wrong way, um, and then we'll get into some of these details. Right on, Tony. I'm, I'm going to dive in first. I'm Shelton Steele. Um, Tony and I have known each other for a while for the listeners out there, just a little background color. I've, I've been courting Tony <laughs> for a podcast for a while now, but you know, to Tony's credit, he basically said, Hey, you got a business before we're going to talk. So we have a business. I now. love very <laughs> and, and a very real business. And uh, for just a little additional, um, it's been so exciting, Shelton, to watch this from afar through all the craziness of the last several years. Um, and to be here today, uh, no kidding, like I, I have goosebumps. This is a execution on a wild idea that you talked about. I want to say maybe the last couple of months of 2019. Yeah, we were that, 2018, we were teaching classes at the Chop Shop. Right. And yeah. so when, when, when was this an idea on a notebook? 2018. 2018. Mm-hmm. Holy smoke. So even earlier. Cool. Mm-hmm. Shelton, so excited to have you on the podcast finally. Thanks. And Joe, we got to meet today. Yeah, yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, Joe Balkin, um, longtime friend of Shelton's, uh, current business partner. Oh, current. Current co- business co- partner. Co-owner <laughs> See in the future. Wrong Way River Lodge and Cabins. But um, yeah, I'm focused on kind of the operations, the technology running this ship now that uh, we've built it. And uh um, I spent the last 19, 20 years in corporate America. Wow. Uh, used COVID as a bit of a smokescreen um, to transition to something that is our own uh, and a little bit more outdoor focused yeah. and local focused. And we've just had a, a blast bringing this to reality. And I think it's a great, so bringing it into reality. So, We've had a lot of guests on the podcast at this point, mm-hmm. um, and this is, at least for me, pretty exciting because this is one of the first businesses that I've got to see since you know since it was a concept. Since Sheldon, you were like talking about like, hey, mm-hmm. we have this idea, or I found this land. I mm-hmm. think that there's something here, and I'm going to start pitching it. Um, to take an idea, right? To take a service business from idea to execution. Mm-hmm. 
not that remarkable. Cool, exciting. I'd love to talk about it. Mm-hmm. To take a concept that requires acreage that needs to be, uh, you know, manipulated like humanity overwhelming this hillside, um, preparing for nature's uh, floods on this riverside. Yeah. Like it is, there's a level of com- complexity. This is three-dimensional chess. This is not just we started a business. Right. And so um, I have some notes in front of me. I have a map. There are 13 uh, standard cabin units, three deluxe cabins. There's a, uh, a river lodge that we're in today that is multi-floors. There is a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh Tell us a little bit about what's going on here. So wh- where are we? What What is Wrong Way Riverside Lodging Cabins? I'm going to let Joe field that one. If I would give you real quick the, the kind of timeline because I think awesome. that, that's that's something to work backwards from. So we talked about 2018. That was kind of where this concept came to life. There was a 55-acre parcel of land over off of Hominy Creek. Um, and I was camping out there with a friend of mine. We put our kids to bed and we had what I call a brown liquor brainstorming session around the campfire. And the, the idea was, you know, why can't you camp or stay alongside the French Broad River in this area? You know, why there was this disjunction. Like, why why doesn't Asheville, which has this outdoor personality, have a place to stay that represents that or reflects that personality? And so I started chasing a bigger that big piece of property. And over the course of a year, that kind of all fell apart. So the part that you heard about in mm. 2019 was, was that 55-acre um, tract of land. And then as that kind of faded, um, I went back out to hear the developer that was putting in the apartment complex out there give a walk around for the neighborhoods. And I um, um, walked with Hartwell Carson, and he kind of asked some questions about, hey, you know, if you had gotten this property, what would you have done? And I kind of revisited all these ideas, and I left it that meeting and felt like, holy shit, like I'm really excited still, yeah. you know, it's still there. And I drove from that meeting over here to the dirt that we're sitting on now, which was a 2.2 acre parcel of land. Um, and it was all woods. It's, and you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's on Amboy road, mm-hmm. which is in the, you know, the river corridor kind of on the backside of what we call the East West Asheville neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, on the East side of our property is the, climbing gym it's now called cultivate climbing and on the west side is the evelyn oil plant um so i walked through the property and kind of bushwhacked up to the top of it and realized that there were some elevation changes and you know the view meaningful today yeah was was pretty significant view um and so we i put it under contract um let's see in 2020 january of 2020 and Joe and I finished a soccer season at the end of 2020. Um, I'm sorry, uh, end of 2019. And we started kicking around this idea, kicking, soccer, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and we realized that we were both kind of in a place in life where we needed it. Yeah. And that it fit. And, you know, while our kind of connection came off of the soccer field, we both have river backgrounds. Yeah. And we felt, you know, Joe's kind of a systems person that's what he's good at and he had an airbnb at the time and i had an airbnb at the time and so there was some familiarity don't yeah. get me wrong that has nothing to do with the scale is completely scale different, is different. Yeah. Um, but over the course of 2020 we were under contract and that was covid and so that 
COVID was actually a blessing for our project because it allowed us to continually ask for more time and due diligence. Mm. And so the idea was over the course of that year, we understood what it cost to build the walls that we're going to talk about, what it cost to build the cabins, what it cost to build a lodge, the stormwater management system alongside of, you know, along with like all the, will the city let you do it the way that we're proposing to do it? Important so, questions. Yeah. These really key questions, questions before you own the land and you're, you're pregnant. So yeah, the end of December, 2020, um, Joe and I, closed on the land we have a tradition where we go eat paisa and drink a beer um so we we had a beer and celebrated that um and then you know may 2021 is when we started pushing dirt wow and then we completed construction on august the 27th 2022 wow and we're sitting here mid-ish october of 2022 so and there are at least a couple uh let's say wrinkles that I'm sure you have ironed out, right? This is, we haven't just opened mm-hmm. it, it or the, the paint is still fresh, right? right? But it doesn't smell like it's newly painted, right? So right. We're, we're in this place, um, at, in the early days and it is, it is incredibly exciting to be here. Mm-hmm. And it is also, uh, so clear that there was intention and, um, let's just say, I don't there is intention with every decision. There's mm-hmm. intention with everything that I've seen and heard you discuss so far. And so I'll kick it to you, Joe. Talk about uh, some of the parts, I guess, in the early versions of this story that uh, that maybe stand out because we have a great timeline from 2018 to now. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, like I mentioned, we've you know, had to figure out how to operate this ship. Uh, it's very different than your typical lodging. Um, we we, we kind of have adopted the wrong way name yeah. in different ways. Um, and one of them is how we approach traditional concepts. Um, we are not your traditional campground. We're an urban cabin campground. And, and that is kind of uh, reflected in the location that we are, um, the amenities that we offer, um, but um, it has been an interesting journey to learn how to operate something that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. Um, So, you know, from the laundry that we've had to implement to the cleaning to operating a river lodge and the food and beverage program, um, I think Shelton, you mentioned that we've got, we bought 2.2 acres, but we mm-hmm. sold off a portion of that. Oh, wow. Um, and so we're left with, a, I think a little over 1.8 acres Yeah. on that 1.8 acres. We've got 16 A-frame cabins. Yeah. We've got a river lodge with an event space, the conference room that we're in right now, a canteen as we call it, which has essentially a cafe bar, uh, lounge area retail space mm-hmm. um you know i think when we describe what we have here on this 1.8 acres to folks that haven't been here they think that you know we might have 20 acres or something along those lines <laughs> so this um this business as we were going through planning and design was an exercise in space utilization mm-hmm. every inch counted every inch had to be designed around um, and that 
continued into operations. You know, where, where's the storage? Where's the cleaning cart go when you close down? Right. All these things that uh, you didn't think of, we didn't have time to think of when yeah. we were creating the place, now have come into full focus. Um, and it's, it's always going to be a challenge operating a business like this on 1.8 acres. But it also forces us to be really intentional about those choices. Uh, you know, it's almost like living in a tiny house. You have to be really intentional about what you bring into it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that's the same way we have to operate. We don't have um, a dumpster on the property. Mm -hmm. And that forces us to make choices about what packaging is used on the retail products that we sell and the things that we put in the cabins um, you know, the cabins, uh, we call them zero landfill cabins because all of the products that are in there, all the amenities that are in there, the packaging has compostable materials. Mm. So we have a commercial, commercial composting program, um, that, uh, when we turn over the cabins, that packaging gets put through our composted, commercially composted program. Um, and we don't put anything into the landfill. So exceptional I, I guess you know that's a long way to say that um we're still learning yeah how to operate this thing but at the core of everything is is our values of sustainability and you know space utilization in the proper way so the couple of things came up as you talked through that and one of them is uh a your name wrong way right so i I, I love what you pointed to, which is the idea that uh, perhaps wrong way has something to do with just not the conventional way. Mm -hmm. So if there is a conventional way, maybe, you know, I'm sure you guys would have, you know, some stories of, no, we actually did a couple things the wrong way. And like, you know, we learned, but um, it does seem, no, not true, it? <laughs> it does seem to be that there is like very intentional zagging where others have zigged. Uh, you pointed to the idea of like a zero waste lodge. And so we went into both the deluxe and a, and a standard cabin uh -huh. and just looking around uh, from memory. I remember like reclaimed wood from the space. I remember uh, like zero. There was nothing that had packaging. The garbage bags are compostable. Right. Um, everything to, to like the final last details seemed so uh so intentional and i keep coming back to that word and so when thinking about the name did, is that it or is like you know amboy on one at the very end is is kind of like it's a it's a one way you're coming off the highway and so <laughs> so you can't go that way you can't go all yeah. the way down i haven't i haven't heard that one. <laughs> that was that was one of the guesses <laughs> the, the the reference yeah um i mean the person that kind of glued it together for us is a guy named eric piper who's up on the top of the hill here, um, you know, we're in East West Asheville. Like I said, we're on the French Broad River. There's a big bend. The river kind of makes an, I think it's an oxbow as it turns back through the River Arts District and the neighborhood that sits up above wrong way in this river corridor is East West Asheville, mm -hmm. uh, which is counterintuitive and goofy. But Eric Piper has a company called Homestead and he, he does branding and, and um, just literally one of the most creative people I've ever met. Shout out to Eric. Uh, and we engaged Eric to help us kind of breathe life into not only our brand, but our identity. And um, Joe, Joe, through the wrong way, 
words up on the board one mm. evening around a campfire. All of our brainstorming sessions were around a campfire. Um, so we were really trying to live into like, I have what you we TM with brown liquor brainstorms. Right, yeah. That's yeah. a that's a TM Shelton steal for right. the rest of my life. Those were those are beer brainstorms. Okay. They, they, they tend to be less self destructive. Um, but Joe threw the word up on the board and that was that was one of his river guide stories. Yeah. Um so in my very distant past, uh I was a whitewater rafting guide on wow. the French broad actually. And one of the stories that we would tell is that the French Broad River is one of three rivers in the world, along with the Nile, that flows from south to north, which there you is go. the wrong way. The wrong way. There you go. Okay. Um, now, a portion of that story is true. You know, that it does flow from the south to the north, but it's not one of three rivers in the world. <laughs> but you know, it's still you know very. Kind of fantastical. Right, and, that, that's the, uh, if you like the rad to mythological yeah. <laughs> story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, just one of those uh, terms along with many others that we tried to tie to the French Broad River because of not only our history on rivers, but our proximity, uh, proximity to the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, we want to reinforce kind of the river life culture mm. uh here uh at the property so any way we can do that whether it be theming or branding or name uh, this conference room is called the boardroom after our love of stand-up paddle boarding and yeah. the uh event space down store downstairs is called the eddy yeah. so you know that all these little tongue-in-cheek terms and references to the river is is intentional as well and, and i love that and it points to a word that came up during our kind of walking tour, which is a sense of place, right? Mm-hmm. And so each of these rooms really seems to make it explicit and concrete that like you are in this very particular place in the country right. um, and just out your window is a very special river right. and everything that we do here is going to remind you of that. Absolutely. And yep. connect you to it, I hope, yeah. Yeah, the place... The place felt like the keyhole into, you know, why the business would succeed here, right? And so, you know, we chose a spot that was on the Greenway, river views, you know, the river's right out the door. Mm. Um, And, you know, then from there, it's kind of connecting all these elements of Asheville that I love, that Joe Joe loves. We have young families, the things that we do, Mm. we're on the Greenway with the family. We go paddle boarding right by here. And so just kind of understanding that, hey, you know, those are elements of of Asheville that aren't shared enough, right? And we are an outdoor town, and this river is kind of the lifeblood of our town. So, you know, we wanted to create, um, you know, a lodging business that connected people to to this place. And in doing so, you know, that's West Asheville, that's the French Broad River Corridor, and then that's Asheville as a whole, right? So, I mean, we're under that kind of umbrella of Asheville. But, you know, I think one of the things that has been the biggest surprise is that, is that the place actually really well represents both Joe and I. Mm. Um, and, you know, we have known each other for a really long time, but we've known each other on a, on a certain level. And so, I, you know, it's been just it's a testament to our friendship as, as we've gotten closer to better understanding each other and kind of knowing that, like, this river life, is core to who he and I are. Mm. And now, you know, our business represents that. And, you know, the 
the joke this morning uh, with somebody saw us. He's like, what? Somebody pointed out, he's like, you both, you guys are in Chacos and it's 40 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we work on the river. Yeah. We do what we want to do. Yeah, these are my river shoes. <laughs> so I've got two seasons, Chaco season and shoe season. And we're not, not in shoe yet season. shoe season. Heard. Um, <laughs> I love that. And I think core to who you are, uh, I'm going to try and run with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because... And, and I don't want to necessarily get into hospitality or um, uh, tourism just yet. Mm-hmm. But the idea that this is a, uh, I'll call it a hotel for lack of a better term. We can define terms better later into this. But this is a uh, boutique hotel concept. And so there's, there's probably an assumption that this is not for Asheville. This is for other people who are going to come here. Uh, but that's not true right so what has stood out to me as we did this tour and in the weeks leading up to this particular conversation is how i want to say well you've been communicating Mm -hmm. that this is not meant to be for other people this is for us and please come use it so could you talk a little bit about that as one of the tenants here yeah absolutely i mean that's the community element of the project and you know the whole two-year you know, idea to actualization where we are right now. I mean, all of that was built around community. You know, that's the community of, of friends and family that supported the idea. Um, you know, I, I talk about like three things that kind of stitched it together. You know, it's there with the business idea, there's this vulnerability, um, there's trust and there's community. You mm-hmm. know, the vulnerability is, is, is the idea of taking the idea and putting it out there and putting it together. And then the trust is sharing it with your community, your friends and family and, you know, look, asking them for their support and their trust and and pushing it forward with Mm -hmm. you. So now it's not just you, it's this group pushing it forward. And then ultimately it's the community that's going to help you succeed. Um, So we were fortunate, you know, we have really big community and as, as we kind of push this ball forward, you know, everyone from the contractor to our commercial real estate agent to our land planner, architect, are all kind of in this, you know, bigger family that, that is kind of the wrong way community. Mm-hmm. And now that we're open and we've transitioned from, you know, a construction project to a working business, the idea is that we want to continue to be a, a good community member and we want to be a place for not just the East West Asheville neighborhood to come down and grab a drink or a coffee um, or just hang out and celebrate a birthday, but also everybody going down the Greenway. Mm. You know, we have food, we have um, a full coffee bar, um, beer, wine. So we want to be a place that's a pit stop off the Greenway. That was in our business model from day one. Um, and, you know, we include everyone. Yeah. So there's, there's never, it's, it's all about everyone coming to be a part of this this place and experience it how they how they kind of how it best fits them yeah um we you know circling back on that term sense of place um we made a lot of decisions on how to represent Asheville in western north carolina um the materials the personality the tone uh the look and the feel the design um but you know, one element we didn't want to lose in that sense of place was the locals mm-hmm. and the community and the people that are here in Asheville. I don't feel like 
you can give folks that come here from outside Western North Carolina a true sense of place if the people aren't there um, along with that experience. So, you know, making sure that we don't exclude the locals in the community from this experience while on property mm. was really important um, and giving the local community uh, a reason to be here was a requirement you know you can't just hire community members to come hang out with your guests extras right. yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to create a place where you know our local community wanted to come hang out which is why we have you know uh, uh, what we feel is a, a really quality food and bev program why we have the canteen with the comfortable you know indoor and outdoor seating these little nooks like the upper meadow and that green space our yard the the campfires you know making a really comfortable place for not only our guests but the local community to come mm -hmm. hang out so you have those opportunities for those two sectors to kind of bump into each other uh, the locals to meet the guests and the guests to meet the locals and have that experience I love, I, so i think that's uh the, the the thing that you pointed out where you can't experience western north carolina without meeting the people of western north carolina i'll put a star on that that sounds very um you know build that into the story if it's not already there that's yeah. strong yeah. um and then so for the, the locals who are listening to this podcast, I think it could be worth talking about some of the look and feel. If you're not following their Instagram account, um, just a, I would call it at this point almost a master class in, uh, I didn't know your words at the time, but vulnerability, trust, community. Right. Um, I, I've been watching Shelton, like business owners make decisions for their business. And right. sometimes that decision is, I got to figure out how to make some, you know, selfie videos and this right. is uh, not what I want to do and I don't love this. But you've been doing it for years now, <laughs> at, like telling this story of like, hey, dirt moved. Hey, like a foundation was laid. Hey, uh, it rained again and so we're not able to do anything and yeah. this sucks. Yeah. Right. And you've been telling these stories so that when it when the doors did open, it, it I like to say like. If you build it, they will come is only true, or he will come is only true in Field of Dreams. Right. Everyone else needs to tell the story of building it. <laughs> you know, you have to be communicating that right. something's coming, something's right. coming, so right. that people come. Um, let's like talk that. about some of the things that people will see as they arrive. For me, one of my happiest, like, oh, that's amazing and cute, are these little taxidermy wooden uh, critters. <laughs> And, uh, but there are so many little choices that have been made. Uh, maybe talk through some of the things that locals will see, feel, experience when they come here. Not as a guest necessarily, though. I imagine staycations might be a big part of the push for locals. Absolutely. Um, but just what they'd feel if they come to the coffee shop, want to sit in the lodge or spend some time in the, on the property. Yeah. What would they see? Well, you, you mentioned uh, Ben Grant's wood sculptures. Uh Ben was is friends with Julian Harris. Shout out to Julian. He and I worked at the Wedge together. Julian's a talented craftsman himself. But Julian had gotten Ben to do tap handles for the Wedge, so these funky hands, and they were they were just stunningly ornate. You know, the kind of thing where you like almost don't want to touch it to to make the beer come out. You just want to look at it. 
so Bennett, all, I, I admired his work, and Joe and I were talking about wrong way, and we were talking about counterculture, and we were talking about that as it related to River Lodge, and it's it's this idea of like, all right, you know, like how can we be on the nose, but not make it the traditional River Lodge? And so we started talking about dead animals, and we both yeah. felt pretty strongly that we weren't going to put any dead animals in the lodge. Yeah, but it needed something, and so we kind of played tennis with this idea of you know well, what's funky and then ben's name came up and then we went to ben's shop and you know ben was super gracious he said sure i'll, I'll do something and the first thing he came up with was this bear that has these snaggle teeth and that's kind of these kind of like eyes that are looking two different directions and we we're both just like hell yeah yeah <laughs> make more of these guys <laughs> direct hits i mean they're just everyone that i've i've noticed has been it just so it makes me smile like yeah. it's it's a uh, playful playful yeah. and it also like you clearly in my mind i go oh yeah like taxidermy is a thing that would be in lodges right. and this okay. is the yeah. wrong way to do taxidermy it's which, which is so much better than a probably just period taxidermy but like bad taxidermy is one of the weirdest <laughs> one of the most off-putting <laughs> right like no one wants to be around particularly bad taxidermy and so this is so far from that right. that right. Um, to me I'm just like oh my god that's a that's yeah. a ten out of ten yeah yeah that those I, it's, it's funny that we're spending this much time on <laughs> carved animal heads but I will say that you know we engaged Ben really early in the process yeah so early that we were still figuring out kind of our brand mm. voice and what elements communicated that and when we saw. Ben's, uh, you know, kind of prototype carving of, of the bear, we said, that is exactly our brand. You know, it's kind of not the right way to do uh, animal heads right. on the lodge wall, um, but it's kind of goofy, kind of quirky, super playful. Right. You're, you're looking at it going, I don't understand what's going on here. It's yeah. the same with our name. Yeah. You, you kind of look at it and you go, I don't understand. You know, there's just layers and there's discovery and there's mystery to yeah. those animal heads, sure. to our brand. And we think it just reinforces that type of thing. It does. And it, and it points to, and, and the reason why I, I'm, I've leaned so far into this is because it, it is just, um, it's representative of all the other choices that I've right. heard you make. Mm -hmm. So when, while standing in um, the river lodge and looking at these, wood taxidermy concept pieces you're standing on on plain wood that was the trees that were on the property yep. right um what else is going on in the river lodge or on the grounds that are like little nuanced decisions that you made right that might get lost um, but are a part of this wrong way thesis yeah um you know I, I, there's a ton of details and joe and i leaned heavy into everything and the place I feel like has come out with a really cohesive look. Um, but fun is part of what we want the overarching experience mm. to be. So, you know, inside of all of these structures, we wanted to make sure that there were fun, playful elements that you would enjoy while being on vacation or while you're just, you know, stopping by to have a drink and hang out. The floors did come off the property. That's a process where we took the trees down, sent them to a mill. It takes about a year and they saw them in the planks and then the planks Dry get dried. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then they came back and, you know, just like everything in this project, um, 
we didn't quite have enough of a single species, so we did a mixed species floor, um, which is this kind of you know, representation of the property itself, right? Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and then the other wood element that I'm super proud of is um, down in Old Fort, there's Camp Greer, mm. and uh, a friend of ours named Jason McDougal down there Mc said that, um, you know, hey, I've got all this wood. We just took down a horse barn. You know, any chance that you're interested in it? And I mean, at this point, we don't even we even push dirt yet, mm. you know. But we took it, put it underneath my my deck at my house, and that ended up becoming every countertop in on the property. So all 16 cabins have countertops that are reclaimed oak. Uh, Julian Harris did them in his shop about a mile from here, mm. and then same with the bar downstairs. Um, so that you know that connectivity where we're not only reusing uh, a a wood right that was milled in western north carolina but it actually came from a camp so you know that felt really like a great connection point and they look beautiful and so the textures in these lodges and the cabins themselves um for being as brand spanking new and beautifully designed and like thoughtful there's also this um like that wood it's not like faux patina <laughs> right. like that would seen some stuff you can tell and it um it adds to the overall character of the spaces it's so it's so clear yeah I, I, that was actually a difficult challenge to solve was we're creating this really new place but we wanted the worn character the, the kind of old mm -hmm. feel to come through so you know one we made sure that a lot of the materials was kind of a raw wood feel, but bringing in that reclaimed, repurposed wood that is, you know, 60, 70 years old um, yeah, just... was a, a very important element for us to bring that worn, that history, that, um, you know, old personality into the space. And then there's a ton of like uh, new that is like decidedly new mm -hmm. and then also old and plays with it. So in the spaces, I'm thinking of like these fellow kettles that right. are like, you know, pinnacle of uh, modern design concepts and minimalism. And right. uh, we have a fellow kettle at our house and every morning gives me life. And, and to go <laughs> to a place that chooses to pay for a fellow kettle to be in all of the rooms right. is like, that's an indication of the type of, uh, business strategy and thesis that's going on in that space and then there's uh a, i imagine brand new record players but very vintage records very vintage. right and very vintage books and very um vintage carpets and so like the the there is is very modern right and maybe that's the scandy in the scandalapalash <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm close. I'm, I'm not. It not took. It took me months. Scapalachian. Scapalachian. It took it. me months. So it, it maybe that's the Scandi, the clean, modern, new, and then this Appalachian, which is like worn, loved, that's cared right. for. Right. Right. With the history. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, for the listeners that have not been here, please come check us out if you're in Western North Carolina, or if you make a trip to Asheville. But if you're looking at all the cabins, you know, they have this brown pine siding that has what I hope feels like an already kind of aged patinaed feel. So we were really intentional in taking, you know, brand new pine siding, nickel gap pine siding, and then treating it with this process, all this all natural spray 
that basically with the sunshine immediately oxidizes the wood mm. and it brings out the different patinas in it. Um, and then so all the cabins have kind of a, a worn feeling from the outside. And I mean, we're playing into a very wide open stereotype when, when we say that we, we have a cabin campground. Everybody's definition of cabin is is a little bit different. So, you know, Joe, Joe was real big on kind of like, okay, what are the expectations? And then, you know, how do our, how does our design fulfill a certain element of those expectations? But there's, it's still open-ended and, you know, there's, there's the curiosity of like, you know, I open the door, what does it look and feel like inside? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, your synopsis is A plus. That's, that's what we were going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a word that we use a lot is juxtaposition mm. um west Asheville, right is, you know we're as shelton mentioned we're sandwiched in between a, a mountain climbing gym and a um house heating oil distribution center um west Asheville is a a, a community of just juxtaposition um and we reflect that in our property too you know our amenity choices our design choices uh, even the thing that we are, the urban cabin campground. We are not the cap- campground that's 20 minutes outside in the middle of nature. We are on a road, you yep. know, across the across the street from a, a river and a greenway. But, uh, you know, we, we're kind of your non-traditional campground for sure. Uh, and the reason for that is we wanted to be a gateway to not only outdoor activities, but also urban amenities. Right. So we're one mile from the River Arts District. We're one mile from Haywood Road. Um, we're less than three miles from downtown Asheville, two miles from Biltmore Estate. You know, we're really accessible to so many reasons that people come to Asheville, but we're also right across the road from you know all these outdoor activities that yeah. people can access. Yeah, is it? I mean, this is. Am I right that this is the put-in here for most river activities? Across from the climbing gym. Across from the climbing there gym. There is a so put-in or a takeout. Or a takeout. Kind of yeah. which, yeah. <laughs> hey. Which way you're heading. Uh, which to me, I mean, the, the location, and I want to get into some of the, uh, I'll say like tactical, strategic, how did this actually happens in a moment or two. Right. Um, because the location seems crazy in a great and like in the best way right like how was this available how did some commercial realtor not already try and uh turn it into condos right right? um so to to attempt to put like a bow on look feel brand Mm -hmm. um and some of the i'll just say brand things are the the other things that come up for me is just how many uh, Shelton, you've done a great job of like shouting out local right. partners. I'll, I'll use right. the term, um, but there are a ton of local partners and a ton of like collaboration type decisions that have been made uh, that also round out the brand. Do you want to talk about any other ones that we might not have touched yet? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I would just say, you know, Joe can think of who else we hadn't mentioned, but you know, Asheville's just riddled with the most talented people Mm. you know and so in a lot of ways it's just it's an opportunity to to showcase the people that are so talented in our town and that was one of the parts of the process that i enjoyed the most was you know bringing these craftsmen artists in and saying hey this is the idea 
how do we execute it? Yeah. And, and they made it better. And then experiences, right? So it's, it's the things that are on the wall. It's the wood that's on the floor. Um, but it's also how many alley-oops and pick-and-rolls you're doing with right. local other businesses. Right. And just, you know, yeah. So, I mean, Rosarina Plants, they came in at two plants per cabin. Um, that's an Instagram. But come, they're on Instagram. They have uh, plants in different shops downtown, and you can buy them out of the shops, coffee shops and places like that. Um, and then we used Lost Hunt Vintage to do all of our rugs. So they source 16, like you said, um, Persian rugs that are aged, they're old. So that, that again, lends that kind of, you know, worn character to the cabins. Um, who else, Joe? Earthwind Records did our records for us. You know, there are, you know, uh, oh, yeah. hammocks and all. Uh, I was like, what is this chance for? And then out comes an, you know, uh, hammock. Incredible. Right. right. Yeah. Touch. Yeah. I, I mean, a couple, a few partners that I'll highlight. Uh, one is our food program um you know that is uh done through a, a food partner uh called new stock pantry they've got their own food studio in the river arts district but you know when we were trying to figure out how we were going to do food here in the river lodge um we we just there were so many elements that needed to be checked off that it was hard to put enough intention into such an important mm element um and we kind of lucked out with finding our food partner um new stock pantry so they're a dynamic duo um that actually are probably having a baby right about now right uh, ashley caps and travis schultz um she's a james beard nominated semi-finalist uh with she was with buxton hall as their pastry chef but um, we were just so lucky to link up with them to provide food to our guests and locals. So, you know, all of our sandwiches, um, salads, pastries uh, in the morning. Um, all locally sourced ingredients. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a seasonal um, element to it as well. Um, but that's one partner. And then our experience program, um, you know, with 1.8 acres, you can't do a lot of you know, a bunch of experiences on property. Um, so we reached out to a lot of friends and companies that we knew that were really, really good in their particular domains, whether it be whitewater rafting or zip lining or tour operators, hmm. uh, and curated a network of those partners and put them on our website so that our guests, as they're planning their stays, can link up with those experienced partners and feel hopefully confident that we've kind of done the selection for them. Yeah. Um, and uh, we want to lower the barriers that there might be to getting outdoors. That's one of our values. Yeah. And one of those barriers is just like the, the overwhelming Where, number how, of yeah. providers and businesses that can get you on the river or on a, greenway path or you know so we've tried to do the selection process for our guests yeah i mean you, you walk into certain places i remember when sarah my wife and i uh first came to Asheville. i'm like what are we going to do how are we going to do and you look at like you know the trifold stands right of yeah, like there's of a thousand things and there's ghost lodges in tennessee i'm like how is it you know what how, do you how, how close is tennessee <laughs> like why is this here uh and so to be able to um 
to to lead or at least you know cut down the field and have that touch i'll call it concierge level of touch mm-hmm. for your guys right. does seem like a uh strong value add um i i i'm very excited about this space I, I suspect that Sarah and I will do a uh, staycation oh, Riverside. Cool. Yeah. We got it. We got it. I mean, with or without one, the baby, it's one thing to you know poke <laughs> our heads in. It's another thing uh, to spend a night. Uh, we've got to do quality control. Yep. 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 Uh, I can't can't let these listeners think that this place is is the best unless I've actually tested it. Uh, so uh, expect that we'll do a a staycation soon. Now, what else when it comes to brand? Do you feel like anything's been missed or is floating? Because I'd love to get into like practicality mm-hmm. of turning dirt into 16 cabins. I, I do want to mention one more thing that's kind of a, you know, a transition from that mm. uh, experience program into the, the, the brand. We, we tried to, beyond you know, all those fun touristy things that you might do when you go on vacation, um, one element that I found was difficult um, to um, find here in Asheville was the idea that I'm vacationing in a place and I'm getting a lot of value from this place as a vacationer, but I have a desire, especially when I'm with my kids to be an example Mm. to my kids. So, you know, when we went to Mexico, we wanted to, um, take an opportunity to clean up, uh, their beaches. So we spent a couple hours doing that, but, um, you know, we have an activity on our website alongside the whitewater rafting and the stand-up paddleboarding called voluntourism. And so what we set up was essentially, a means for our guests to sign up for this activity and we connect them with local nonprofit organizations like Greenworks or Riverlink to do good in the community that they're vacationing in. So it might be a river cleanup or a stream cleanup or a road cleanup, Uh, just spending two to three hours doing good in a community that you're getting so much value from. Mm. And, you know, some people, they've got a you know, very limited amount of time. So it might not make sense for those that are only here for a day, Mm. for instance, but folks that are here for two, three, four days that are also able to do the, the whitewater rafting and stand up paddleboarding, um, may want to set an example for their kids or, you know, feel good about that vacation by doing a little bit of good in the, in the community that they're vacationing in. And so we make that possible through that activity. That sounds great. I, I give you a gold star, and I love. I would love to know, um, because as I as I think about the way I've seen your brand communicated in the last couple months since opening, like, and I and I'm I'm kicking myself because it was in my notes, and I did want to get there. Um, is we're also open to locals, and we we believe in volunteerism, mm-hmm. and so those are two to me special things that I don't know many other, I'll call it hotel type businesses in town right. that are really trying to tell that story. Right. Um, and that's a, spe- that's a very special story. And so exciting. I, I remember seeing a post recently, um, cause you pointed to uh, kids staying with you 
that you hosted like 70 something dogs in the last <laughs> month. So kids, dogs, fallen tourism, yeah. uh, community, please come here. Those things all seem special to me. So hats off, Thanks. little uh, hat tip. And then, I, I mean, I have a million questions about, it's it. one thing to say, you know, with a, with a, let me get the words right, with a brown liquor brainstorm. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> let me paint a picture. Let me paint a picture of urban cabin campground concept and having people go, yeah, I mean, that sounds cool. You could do that. And then it's a very different thing to go under contract. It's a very different thing. I mean, I know very little about development mm -hmm. for this. I mean, millions of dollars. So how did, from idea to like, uh, to that pizza and beer. Right. Talk about some of the major milestones that have to happen if someone's like, I want to turn dirt into a cabin concept in St. Louis. Uh, let's right. not, they're not going to yeah. do it here. You guys, are the, this is it. But uh, ha what, what happens? What are some milestones? I mean, the first is convincing your family to, to you know, let you do it because you're putting everyone at risk and, and, and you know, taking on this kind of financial liability. And, you know, Joe too, you know, the, there's there's not much momentum, but there's a little bit. And then, you know, Joe's trust to come in and say, like, I'm going to shoulder this thing with you. And I think that we can do it. Um, and, you know, that just continues with each each kind of partner that's plugged into the process. But, you know, I took the Mountain BizWorks course four years ago. Shout out. Like that. Yeah. And I mean, it was really, you know, the lady that was teaching and the class said. Am I right that this is the business model course mm -hmm. that they do? Okay. Yeah. Just get the kind of ground level one. Yep. And she said, you know, you're, whatever concept you're writing down right now is not what you're going to open up. And she was right. You know, I was working at a brewery at the time. We were going to put a restaurant in the brewery, and that was what I was working on. Um, but, you know, just understand. I feel like the biggest, you know, understanding what you don't know and then being kind of mature enough to plug that hole with someone that's better than you that can make your project better. Yeah. Those were the big key bumps that that kept this thing on the up and up so you know a partner like joe uh, we we hired a, a financial advisor a cfo for hire cool mark goldstein he came out of the mountain BizWorks community too he was re referenced to us by jeffrey kaplan shout out to jeffrey thank you for that key um, bump forward but yeah so just you know those people kind of plugging in and helping us build a model uh, the financial model was critical to 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 telling the story and sure. to then proving the viability. And so what we had, you know, going under contract, we we used that year that I was talking about to constantly refine how to build this, and then what are the costs associated with it. So you know, every week we get a new set of costs, and we plug it in, and Mark would remodel everything. Mm. And, you know, it was ongoing. It was a live process all the way till we closed the land. And then, you know, it kept evolving um, through construction. But, you know, having a, fin a financial person that was, I wouldn't say he was, you know, third party. But if you know Mark Goldstein, he does. He only has one no bullshit attitude. Yeah. So, you know, we were always going to get it straight from Mark. Yeah. And so, um, and for to kind of drill in on this, right? So in this year or so of diligence, mm -hmm. 
uh, it's not like necessarily you've paid for 2.2 acres. You're saying we're gonna, I want to, I, I want to buy it, right. but like I gotta, let's just check the EPA readings on the soil. I want to make sure they're great. And so there's a process I have to do diligence. So it's not necessarily that money has changed hands yet. And in that time you're building a model to validate Right. That we can turn 2.2 acres into a thing right. over some timeline that uh, won't bankrupt all of the families involved in making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we had a early partnership with our general contractor Ward Griffin, uh, and Ward spent a lot of time with us in the in those early um, in that first year and helped us assign value. What does it actually cost to build this thing? Mm. Because if you're off the mark on all that and you close on the land, and then, a pandemic starts and, and prices pandemic double, starts. yeah, 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 yeah. Good thing that didn't happen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, prices of plywood go up eighty-two percent or whatever, two, two, three, five x, whatever it was. Um, so, like, models are very important, and and especially imagine you know pre-signing or pre-money getting uh, changing hands. Um, how, like, how was this? So it seems like early partnerships and Ward Griffin, I cut you off and I apologize. Um, but you have a financial team player, you have a contractor who's going to be thinking of more specifically about numbers and has experience That's attempting to forecast numbers. Um, and then do you do like a fundraise to say, here's our most recent model. Right. We believe it's going to work. It'll take this long before we're cash flowing it'll take this long before we pay off debt right uh at any percentage it'll take this long to be in the green like what do you what do you how does it work in those early days you know how sometimes you know what you don't want and then you're able to use that to define what it is you want yeah so you know i've been involved in a lot of small businesses that's my background um, and i knew that i didn't want long-term investors for perpetuity Good. So in working with Mark from the beginning, we built a model that flips over in three years. Our debt flips over in three years. So we knew that, okay, we're going to go out and raise money and we're going to pay our investors X return. And it needs to be pretty high because we're then going to tell those investors upfront that they get bought out at the end of year three. Cool. And then Joe and I assume that mountain of debt between the two of us. Wow. And, I, I will say that evolution is a good term for all this because, you know, there were a lot of kind of ideas on how we were going to approach some of those big rocks, whether it be mm. funding or construction or operating that just got flipped on their head, um, you know, with COVID, the reality of COVID mm. and, and post-COVID right. construction environment, lending environment. Right. You know, we went into it thinking traditional banks, traditional loans would be available to us, and yeah. that just dried up. The lending landscape changed you know, over overnight. The materials volatility was a real challenge. Labor, construction labor environment was Huge really headache. volatile. Yep. Um, so having that community of super capable professionals right. uh, was key. It is a miracle that we are here with an executed vision, a built campground that we are now operating. 
um, when I look back at all the challenges, yeah. especially the post COVID, you know, environment that was created, um, you know, we could spend hours yeah. and hours on what all those things were, but really it was about adapting to all those realities and figuring out a new way forward. But we didn't do that. Just Shelton and I, right. We had some really capable folks that were, uh, there along yeah. for the ride that helped us figure it, it out. It's that idea of, you know, you know, surround yourself with people that are better than you and then rise to their level. Right. And so at, at every, you know, every head of different elements of this project were really sophisticated people that had a tremendous amount of experience. I mean, you know, Ward Griffin has built apartment complexes. He has built houses. He's built hotels all under his, in his portfolio. And so, you know, when we hit these just kind of garbage fire moments, we had calm, cool like, heads. Yeah. They were like, okay, hold on. Let's figure out how to do this. I mean, you know, the, you know, the plywood volatility, crazy, right? But Ward had locked us in with a, uh, what's called a SIPS panel company out of Arkansas. And so all our cabins were drawn by Brent Campbell here in town, and then they were engineered as, as a panelized cabin kit that we designed. So it's all custom, but it was saw, you know cut in a warehouse, so there's minimal waste. And then these SIPS panels are plywood, styrene foam that's four to six inches thick, and then another piece of plywood. And they all come in on a tractor trailer, and they're erected on site and allows you to dry in really quickly um, and be extremely efficient. Well, you know, Joe and I didn't know what we were doing on that sense, but Ward had locked us in with these guys. And when the plywood prices went sky high, they had mountains of plywood and yeah. our prices with them held, but they didn't increase. Um, and, you know, that was that was just a, a lucky spot. And yeah, we had some sure. unlucky spots too. But sure. <laughs> it's, it's hard, like, you know, it's hard to say that, Ward had like COVID environment experience. So he knew what yeah. we, it was just that we were making good choices as a group Correct. that allowed us to weather an unprecedented storm. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of those moments were luck. Some of them were just being able to adapt to the situation and find a better way forward. But yeah, it was, I, I feel blessed that uh, we had that community that helped us through that, and I'm, it just boggles my mind that we were able to get through it. It it seems like uh, you know on the fly problem solving right is now probably a superpower of y'all's, whether or not it yeah. was before this started. Yeah, I, I I mean picking this one as project number one, right? <laughs> we could have picked all... a an easier one to pull yeah, off sure <laughs> and so, and so um you know I, I look out the window and i'm looking at these giant retaining walls and i'm thinking um clearly you had experts and and a team around you that were super smart about it how when when folks say you know i want to be an entrepreneur the fastest way to that is in service businesses. And mm -hmm. I, that's where my mind is very comfortable, right. right? Because it's just, all you have to do is have someone say, yeah, you can do that. And then you start, you know, building their website or whatever, right. like work on the work in the cloud, work on the computer and be in service. And there is no barrier to starting right? more or less. Uh, identifying land, getting it under contract, 
fundraising to be able to buy it, fundraising to be able to build, those are, that's again, complex. I said three-dimensional chess earlier, uh, or chess earlier. How, when thinking about that, right? So I, I'm very excited to hear about this three-year milestone to pay back investors and flip mm -hmm. the, I, I guess, the debt on your overall bank loans into just your name. Are there, like what, what at a high level, what is the process? So to me, my guess is uh, identify the land, land has value, call it a million dollars, call it just for round number, a right. million dollars. You need to put some percent down, or wait, no, when you buy land, that's, there's no debt, you can't take debt on to buy land. All right, like there's no bank, like when you buy a house, you can put 5% down, 20% down. Mm -hmm. You buy the house and the land. Mm -hmm. When you're just buying dirt, I think it's like, isn't that a cash? No, you, I mean, you can get a loan on, on, on against the dirt. But okay. there's, a, there's a ratio. Yeah. Got it. I mean, we have four stacks to our, our debt stack. Okay. Right? And so we have, um, you know, we, we got an initial, what, what we called subordinated debt loan. And that allowed us, that gave us enough money to buy the land. Okay. And then we, like Joe said, traditional lending had dried up. So we actually worked with a local lender called Alfie, cool. um, John Sarver and Todd Fowler. Um, shout out to them. They they were anchors um, in, in kind of holding this whole thing together. And so they gave us an initial loan to buy the land. And then we then used that to start the fundraising process. And that's Mark's model, which is 30-some pages of all of the numbers and then a really big um you know pitch deck it's not really a pitch deck it's more of a business plan sure yeah yeah business plan yeah I, I mean i would say for those out there that are considering you know going down this path it's make sure that you have somebody with the financial chops that is in an adjacent or similar field yeah um because kind of building that investment deal you know it was pretty complicated seems sophisticated yeah really, yeah, yeah very sophisticated. so you know mark had a lot of experience in real estate deals okay which is essentially what we put together yeah. for our investors yeah, apartments condos so the whole yeah. you know multiple unit and uh, trying to uh, yep. for you know vacancy yep. assumptions All and correct seasonality on pricing and bumping and yep. like being able to model and forecast all that just sounds yep. incredibly complex and um what so the traditional i'm imagining there's traditional debt that is like bank type debt correct longer term debt vehicles and then right. this three-year window is that for all of the non-traditional investment or investors. So like I'll call it family members or wealthy local folks who are right. like, yeah, I'll, you can put this money to work and pay me back. Yeah. They all get, they all get turned over in between three at the end of three before the end of four. Okay. So that's the way we built the model. So we had, you know, we've got to the place where we're now fundraising. So we went out to the community, um, new concept. Uh, and that kind of meant that there wasn't any one person that underwrote the whole deal. You have a lot of investors. Yeah. Um, that's the community element that I was talking about. And once we hit a certain number um, with our, our investors, we then were able to go back to Alfie and say, we need this size construction loan. Cool. Um, and 
it was all coming together. And at the very end, Alfie said, you know, well, we want you guys to have, you know, a couple hundred thousand more and contingency money mm. more than what we had allotted for. And, you know, our, our Mountain Desworks connections paid off and Mountain Desworks actually ended up being, you know, the, the final the, check, so to speak, or, or, or like the chink loan, you know, you're stacking a bunch of rocks and you stick that one rock in that steadies everything else out. And so Mountain Desworks plugged in, um, you know, Mark's connected to them and I had taken their class and they, they, they made the final um, loan to us. And with all of that, everything funded, and then we had to build it on budget. <laughs> build it on budget. Build it on a timeline. Right, because the clock starts to tick, right? The, the metaphor I've used sometimes, maybe not on the podcast, is like, you lit a fuse. At that point, fuse is lit. Correct. Mm -hmm. And there's a timeline, and there are assumptions, and you're already in, like, fingers crossed, the worst of times, right? right? Like, it can't be worse than right now. Hopefully, by the time that, you know, we've constructed people you know, are, are shaking hands still, or I've jokingly said, not totally fearful of mouth breathers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so lot, uh, how is stress showing up with that? Uh, a metaphor that I've used is that debt is like a fire. And if you control that fire, you get to do some beautiful things. You warm a house, right. you cook some food, right. um, and then there's like California, right? right. And so yeah, yeah. there were forest fires. And so how are you, how are your your relationships with debt? How are your relationships um, with your I'll, I'll say investors? I mean, this is probably feeling a hair honeymoony in terms of where the timeline is. Did you did you hit construction timelines are you um is the model even close to representing reality at this point a couple years in from probably the first time a model was drafted yeah i mean you know there's <laughs> there's all kinds of yeah buts yeah. um you know we we were probably from the point that we created the first model and timeline I think we were probably three months off of that, which is really, really good. Exceptionally good. <laughs> yeah. When you think of how long highways take yeah. to get built and, yeah. and you know, any project is double the timeline. So yeah. three months is you're, you're still like, you might be on the border, but you hit a bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> you and know, like it's almost a, there's, a 20. man, I would, I would love to say that, you know, Oh, well you just start fundraising here and you start, developing here the honest answer is you know looking back we probably started fundraising and taking money in a little bit earlier than we wanted to because we weren't able to start using that money right until much later mm. so we had that money taken in sitting in a bank and you know it, that time spent in the bank is going to have to get repaid. Yeah, it's not, it's it's not going to work. We yeah, weren't right. able to it's put it to work, work as quickly as we wanted to. But, you know, there are so many factors involved. It, it could have gone wrong. And then the people that said, I will give you money won't be mm. around and you haven't taken their money. Yeah. So you got to yeah. find somebody else. So, you know, there's so many factors involved that it's hard to, in hindsight, said say that we should have done it a different way. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for me to say to anyone out there, this, this is the way you should do it. Yeah. Um, 
I can only say that in hindsight, we had some money sitting around that wasn't working for us, but I don't know if I would have done it a different way. So, I don't honest. know that we could have done it a different way yeah. because we're new. We're, we're, we're just not a concept that's proven. You know, we're not ex hoteliers that have moved over to disrupt the hotel market. Yeah. You know, we're river guides, right? <laughs> just like the press sheet says. So there's, and, and there is a, a relatively true metaphor in like the startup space, uh-huh. which is, uh, Raise money whenever you can raise money. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so if it's early, it's early. Uh, it's way better than late. Yeah. Right. Late is a different type of stress. And so um, what I find particularly interesting is that there are, uh, to, there are ways to inject money and capital into businesses that are dilutive. Right. So that's right. Uh, equity. Right? right. So you're giving people shares of ownership for their money today. And then there's debt financing, right? So money comes in today and you owe interest um, over some timeline, some horizon. And so um, it's very very interesting to me that your model doesn't seem dilutive. And I would have assumed that you you all had like 20 hidden partners who are silent owners and were going to be tied to it for a long time. And to me, that is like, uh, Shelton, you kind of pointed towards this. It, it sounds like it could be rough, right? Because then right. you have, you know, who partner M has uh, a family emergency. All of right. a sudden, needs the money to come out, or you know, that's not a, doesn't sound like a great investor. But when you need to raise money, any investor is a decent yeah. investor, yeah. and so you have now uh, a bunch of uh, not perfectly aligned interests. Right. Uh, and so the ability to raise money using both debt and what I imagine is equity today with the per, like buyout, mm-hmm. so they lose their equity when you pay them back, um, is a really exciting model. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, for people out there that are trying to start a business, you know, know that Asheville has a great startup culture, and then we have a bunch of tools. Right. Yeah. There are mentors programs with Mountain BizWorks that that pertain to very specific industries. Um, and you can go, you know, work with a mentor and develop your concept. Um, and, you know, at some point you just got to push off and say, fuck it. You know? I mean, <laughs> well, I think Joe, you know, Joe, Joe and I were kind of in this, we're, it's, it's an oxymoron because we're older, like we're both in our 40s. We have families. So, you know, to push off and say that at this point in life is risky. But I think, you know, what each of us would answer independently is that we also are at a point in life where we didn't want to continue down the path that we were going down. Mm. And, you know, this opportunity wasn't just real. It was something that, you know, made my heart sing. So, you know, I want to wake up every day and put my chacos on and walk out in the 40 degree cold and go to my river lodge. So (laughs) I I, I love that. So let's talk then about, um, like the practicalities of running this place, right? So we went from fundraising concept. We sort of talked about the highs and lows of building and developing. Right. Um, you know, you, you use the term hotelier, which I believe is French for someone who runs hotels and or owns. We. <laughs> we. Uh, and so... You guys lost me. Yeah, so if this, is, this, if this isn't a hotel, it's hotel adjacent. Right. Um, operating 
a single unit Airbnb you mentioned is parts of the background right. seems like a whole different stratosphere of an operational burden of a day to day. What is it in these early months of owning and operating and having the doors open, the lights on, come on in people, you can book. What are we seeing as, uh, as say the day to day or operationally the biggest burdens or most, um, uh, I'd say maybe surprising the things that are standing out in these early days. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the things that aren't as sexy as talking sure. about a startup business and, and Scapalachian. <laughs> um, but it's things like, you know, laundry and cleaning 16 units and um, integrating cleaning with your property management system. And how do we get these door lock codes to automate so that um, we don't have to set up door lock codes for every single guest that checks in? Yeah. I, I mean, um, so I'm going to double click immediately and just jump in. So a couple things that stood out is you have smart locks, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome. That seems almost like def you need it at this point when you're running yeah. anything that looks like a, um, you know, external entrance version of a hotel. So right. Airbnb or, um, uh, cabins, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And we go ahead. I was just gonna say what technology, so that's Yale, mm -hmm. which is sort of August, but probably the owner, right? So what technologies are important? So you talked about property management, um, and and I'll and I'll throw the asterisk slash parentheses of what technologies have been most critical, and the thing that stands out to me is like green both in your building and, and green in your operations. And so it's not just that you're solving for these operational problems, but you're also trying to do the best version of a solution for these operational problems. Right. So that's the nuance that if you want to play with, I'd love to hear. But what, what tools are showing up? What is your booking software? Um, it's a company called New Book. Um, ironically, maybe they're out of Australia. Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where Arnold Schwarzenegger is from. <laughs> but, you know, we knew that the property management system was going to be the backbone Huge. of our operations. So I spent a lot of time going through the selection process there. I collected 21, 22 potential candidates that were in our, you know, cost category. Um, you demo went them through all? an RFI, um, took, uh, we narrowed it down to 18, then took four through a legit RFP, uh, and then selected the best one of those four. Um, and, you know, we are still learning and growing with that system because mm -hmm. it's got a ton of features. Mm -hmm. So the learning curve is a long one, sure. but it will allow us to grow uh, as we bring in those other features. So now we have hooks into our property management system with our point of sale system, with our door lock um, and security system, with our QuickBooks. Um, mm, um, right. So you know, we tried to, as much as possible, 
make sure that we were efficient with our operations or at least set it up set up the platforms that would allow us to get there at some point yeah. in the future um one thing that was really important to us is that we were we were able to operate with a minimal amount of staff because i know that yes. you know typically your operational overhead is about 75% labor um and you know, yeah. it should be if you're going to bring on staff, you want to pay them right. Um, but we wanted to focus on the guest experience, on operations, uh, and we wanted to have a small team that was really, really good at their jobs. That mean that meant we had to have the technology and the systems that allowed us to operate efficiently. Yeah, tons of automation. Right. So it's automation. not, but uh, not not technology forward like we didn't want technology to be part of the guest experience right. so that's the sustainability slash asterisk part of the yeah. brand experience right like you have these analog light switches in the room you have yeah. the analog right. uh record, player. record players and then uh how how do you do these things that are tech forward and smart and right. efficient and automated without all of a sudden um you know sending push notifications or certain totally. certain levels of Right. Uh, we're in the future, and this is a Google right. complex. And we didn't want to get too far afield from the idea that we're a campground and want to have the personality of a campground. Um, so if you're you know, always kind of interacting with technology versus a person mm. or the analog experience elements in your cabin, then you're taken away from that campground, that camp feeling. So yeah. um, as much as possible, we made sure that the technology was hidden from the guest but it you know kind of greased the experience wheels so mm -hmm, to speak yeah. uh it wasn't thrown in their face and, and one like footnote to that from a startup standpoint you know joe picked that software selected it implemented it way ahead of us opening mm. and we were actually able to capture revenue before we opened so you know when we did open in august which was behind schedule you know, we had bookings on the books, and that meant we had dollars in the bank that, that we had captured from those bookings, and that helped us kind of step off the ship with momentum. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, or, or push off with momentum. And, and even more valuable than revenue, um, you know, those startups, what they value is learnings. And so we implemented, I think, October, no, November of 2021 and we didn't open our doors until august of 2022 so we had that period of time that we were able to learn how our system worked yeah. um and without did the, the bookings <laughs> yeah without the risk of a bad check-in experience without the risk right. of uh all of those things that make the review anything short of a five star right and if you have um, you know, an email automation that's maybe not exactly where it is today at post booking, you still get the, you know, the delight the customer when they're here versus in their inbox two seconds after right. booking, right? Like right. you can, you can optimize some of those things later, but there is no second time that they walk in right. from, you know, the cabin or second time that they walk in the lodge. Um, those things, kind of want to hit it right 
in August when they show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, so we, you know, in, in general, we had a presence, a website, a booking engine all set up going into opening. And, you know, I think that actually helped us hire people as well. So, you know, the people that work here have done a tremendous job adapting with us as as we uncover all these did not know situations right and they've been on they've they've helped us kind of create solutions yeah um and you know i couldn't be more grateful um for for our team that's that helped us this past you know we're going on eight weeks now two months yeah i I think you know if we were gonna kind of uh, give any shout outs that are really, really important to our success beyond the ones that we've already thrown out there. Our families, you know, I'll speak for myself, yeah. but you know, the, the startup life is not for anyone, especially those with a young family. So mm-hmm. my wife and my kids have been super, super supportive and understanding. Um, so I wouldn't be here without them. Um, and then our staff as well, uh, as Shelton mentioned. Um, when I was interviewing, I think the term I used just to set expectations is it's going to be a shit show. You know, <laughs> it, the, the first X now a number of months is going to be super chaotic as we figure out things. You're not going to have the path laid out in front of you. There is no operations manual. We're going to be writing it as we sure. go. We don't want to put anything in stone because we're going to be changing things, you know, daily, weekly. Um, So not only do we have to be adaptable as business owners, and we want to be, you know, we own the business, but we have to ask our staff to be adaptable as well. Uh, And they've been amazing at that. And they've contributed a ton to us being able to, um, you know, build or operate something yeah elevated our customer service Mm -hmm. a a ton yeah Yeah. i mean you could all you have to do is look on our google reviews yeah and see how many comments talk about staff wow and you know that was not trained (laughs) we did not have time to train these people right you know excellent customer service yeah we put values mission vision in front of them it was like one slide be a guide is our mm. biggest value you know and that one value kind of set the tone for our customer experience yeah i'll give you an example we had a couple come in weekday they're standing cabin 16 um older they came in the lodge and they asked you know about doing something that particular day and of course you know we're all just effusive right we're just spouting out you gotta do this you gotta do that you know and there are a couple things that resonated with them and you know i was talking to them it was me and katie from that, that you met downstairs and, and 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 they said gosh that all sounds great but i'll never remember it and 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 katie just looks up and says i just wrote it all down for you <laughs> you know yeah i mean, I mean that's a small touch yeah. but that they they took the post-it away and they did the things on the list yeah and improve yeah. their experience. Mm-hmm. I uh, I love that. So a thought that's coming up for me is, um, you know, you, you mentioned how this is a hard first business, right? <laughs> so I imagine there is a desire to want to have things be perfect, right? We did a little bit of a walking tour, and I look in these rooms and I go, wow. And then I see your eyes, and I I'll go, oh, okay. 
and I noticed that you noticed that there might not it might not be perfect at every point, but to me it was mm-hmm. right. And so, where and how have you? I mean, it seems like you're giving a lot of autonomy to this to to your team that you've built. Um, but have you had any difficulty uh, saying, you know, not being the person who makes every decision for every single detail uh, all of the time? Like this, this is could be like the baby, uh-huh. uh, the first child. No, no, no. You know, I've just we. I have my baby's with a babysitter for the first time. It's been a year. Right. This you, giving ownership and responsibility to team when the stakes feel particularly high and the debt's going to be yours. Right. Right. How, um, is there any kind of mottos that you're telling yourself? Is there I, any lessons there? I, I think we've been training for that moment ever since we became partners together. Yeah. You know, w- when you are um, business partners and you're relying on someone else to help make the decisions. Um, true, you know, Shelton and I are very complimentary in that we have different skills and personalities and uh, desires on where to focus. So that's that's pretty helpful and critical, I think, for a partnership. But um, it takes a lot of trust as yeah. well. And um, so that by the point um, that we had to trust staff to make some of those decisions and use their judgment. I think we'd already had, you know, a, a year and a half or so mm-hmm. of being partners where we did very similar kind of I trust you, you trust me moments. Yeah, you know, million dollar trust balls, right? <laughs> yeah. And and I, I took a note on it, you know, vulnerability, trust, community. Right. And so vulnerability might sound like Hey, we don't know all the answers. We don't have all the answers. We don't have a, you know, a onboarding process for you. You're going to need to learn a lot on your own. We're going to trust you to make some uh, decisions on behalf of the team and the organization, and we're going to get through it together, community. Yep. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean that that sounds very similar in the startup life. Like you know, when I started with the healthcare services company, twenty something years ago it was a little startup um and it was exciting it was chaotic um the the owners had a lot of trust in their employees Mm -hmm. um to make those judgment calls but then you know when i don't know the you know the business was sold or whatever the the employees um got some benefit from that and so there's there's this bi-directional trust with our employees as well. We have to trust them, but they have to trust us that we're going to get through this startup right. moment. And if they follow along in this journey and kind of go through the challenges of those chaotic moments, there's going to be some benefit on the back end, and it's going to be a one hell of a ride as we go through it. Yeah, yeah. and going to be some rapids, <laughs> yeah. river guides. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you you get to the place. Well, we I I personally got to the place at the end of construction where, I mean, I was obliterated, mm-hmm. you know, and it and it ending and transitioning to an operational business was a very emotional moment for me, you know, and and I think the 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 big trigger for the emotion was was the letting go, mm-hmm. right? Like okay, you know, like the as a the partner relationship, you know, I was the point person for construction, and you know. 
it took a lot out of me, but I felt like, you know, we got it across the finish line. We're open. And, and there, you know, this this big release and it's like, Holy shit, man, we got all these people now, you know, Joe, Mm. Joe kept saying, let somebody else do it. I was like, Oh my God, we can let somebody else do it. (laughs) Great idea. Yeah. You know, and that's just, that's, that's been kind of this big swell that we've been riding as we've been open. I feel like is, you know, all these hands, you know, improving it. Like our, our staff's been working on signage for the property. And wayfinding you mentioned. Yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. So, um, to kind of circle this section, it started with tools, right? Um, the tools that I heard that are mission critical here Mm -hmm. is something called new book, QuickBooks, right? Um, Yale locks as the doors, right? Um, probably, you know, the internet, right on the, on the, on the land, we talked about how it's fiber. So, you know, work remote folk could come here, stay in a cabin, crush some zoom calls and then go out on the river if they wanted to. Right. Um, any other technologies, uh, tools, resources that aren't humans that have been mission critical? I mean, point of sale is a big one. What do you use uh, for that? A clover. Clover. Yeah. And yeah. we selected it again because it integrates with our property management system. Okay. Right. Um, so, and the, I think the underlined point there is that the foundational technology that you use for things that might be or rhyme with the database is mission critical, right? The correct. limits that that technology choice in parts on your business um, is at some point going to be a big deal. And so um, like in, in website choice, right, depending on who you are and what business that you're building, uh, you know, Squarespace is great if you're a yoga instructor, typically not great if you want to sell products at scale or have a bunch of SKUs on products, right? Like there's a service business, you go here, you go over here because the rails eventually are a limiter. Right. Um, and so the I think the takeaway on this new book is that diligence on what's going to be the core database Absolutely. that everything else plugs into is essential. Yeah. It's yeah. Critical. I mean, I'll admit, you know, here's my vulnerability is we don't know all the benefits that we're going to get from a system like new book. Hmm. But knowing that it has a lot of the features that you know allow us to scale um and allow us to integrate with other technology partners means that i i'm not handcuffed you know two years from now because we didn't choose something that integrates with our uh, you know other technology partners and technology ripouts are painful brutal (laughs) yeah Yeah, brutal to start over you know there are some things that not not necessarily um technology but you know sustainability infrastructure items that we set placeholders for that will add in the future so this building that we're sitting in is teed up for solar cool it's all on the wall it's stubbed out through the roof we're what's called solar ready and you know when our business allows for it we'll add solar panels it'll produce something just under 20 kilowatts you so just you know and another sustainability element is we, we you know we stubbed up in the parking lot for um, EV charging. Cool. Well, that's that's coming, right? Yeah. It's here, but you know, for us, it's it's forthcoming. But we knew that we didn't have the bandwidth to pull it off. It wasn't critical to getting our doors open. 
but the infrastructure is there to add in the future. Very thoughtful. Awesome. Any other technologies to send out Clover for point of sale? Um, You mentioned internet. So, you know, we made the conscious decision not to include TVs in any of our units. Love it. Um, You know, again, one of the decisions we made to minimize the barriers to people getting outside and enjoying the outdoors. But the trade-off was having super high-speed internet, you know, from just about any point on the property. Right. So every cabin has a wireless access point. Uh, The meadow has a wireless access point. You can go anywhere on the property and never lose a signal, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're walking around with your laptop. Uh, And that network, that Wi-Fi network is delivered through um, fiber optic cabling under your feet. Again, hidden technology. But if you're someone that is either doing a staycation or, you know, remote work, or we love to host, you know, uh, staff retreats and corporate events, um, they're not having to go to a coffee shop or get off property just to get some work done. Yeah. No, uh, no hotspots necessary to run your business right out of here, which is special and important in 2022, 2023. Um, and then, well, I was just going to say, yeah, we're at, we're, we're actively looking for, you know, business retreats and groups and work travelers that want to stay with us during the week. Our weekday rates are lower than our weekend rates. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, <laughs> always heard. selling, heard, steal. <laughs> All right, heard. And um, so that's that's the tech, that's the people. And then you pointed towards something, and I want to um, potentially attempt to wrap up here or hereabouts um, long-term vision, right? So we know that there's a three-year-ish, three to four-year milestone um, where we're going to try and return capital to normal investors take on the debt personally through the business um is i mean is this riding off into the sunset type of future for you is this one of many you're going to start go out to tell you ride uh do it again like what is the what is the longer term vision here i'm very interested to know um yes (laughs) <laughs> we do want to do it again. Um, you know, we, we built uh, a parent company called All Forward Outdoors, and that's an outdoor hospitality business that this fits up, this being the wrong way, fits up underneath. And then the intention is that we will go build more, um, you know, urban campgrounds, and they'll fit up underneath All Forward Outdoors. So we're actively seeking new sites. Um, if you have one, reach out. But, you know, the Joe and I have talked recently about you know that next property and what does it look like and you know how much personal bandwidth do we have Mm. to hit go again and do this particular project all over again somewhere else that's not i literally live five minutes from here five minutes from my house you know yeah those are big questions they're big questions um and i think you know we're learning a lot operating this and it's helping us define kind of what the next property is going to be yeah i you know we we have made some kind of networking decisions um because you know kind of operating a a lodging hospitality business is new for us but we typically will not show up at lodging and hospitality conferences we're more likely to show up at outdoor industry conferences and networks so 
Outdoor Gear Builders is a, a business network that we participate in. They're a great partner. And also Mountain Bizworks and Made by Mountains, um, you know, they're starting an initiative to grow the outdoor economy. And we want to be along for that ride. And we want to shape what uh, lodging and hospitality looks like in Western North Carolina in the future. I think they are a vehicle and we want to be along for the ride and we want to be part of the conversation. Mm. Um, so the idea of an uh, urban cabin campground, I feel has some legs. Um, it's Definitely. not done a lot um, right. for, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but we feel like it's something new that uh, can get, more people outdoors that wouldn't typically find themselves getting outdoors. Yeah. So, um, you know, if we can do that in other towns besides Asheville here in Western North Carolina, that's absolutely yeah. West, something we the, want to do. All the towns in Western North Carolina, a lot of them have that, this DNA, you know, where they are on the Tuckasegee yeah. river, they're on, you know, a, a river and they have, the town is built around the outdoors, you know, yeah. and I think what, made by mountains is trying to do is shine a light on that. And, you know, a lot of towns, old Fort's a great example, you know, it was a mill town and the mill no longer is the driving economy, but, Oh, wait a second. We're connected to 110,000 acres of, you know, grandfather mountain district of Pisgah. That's a resource. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, as you were talking, I was like, oh, old Fort. I have, yeah. I have very little experience in old Fort, but I do know that old Fort sounds like potentially the next step. Uh, or a, 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 an example of what could be a good, um, you know, V 2.0. Mm -hmm. So that's super exciting. I can see that my energy was like, Ooh, where else, when else, how far <laughs> right. yeah. do we got another couple hours? <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> and then, um, you also pointed towards the idea of like the startup culture. And mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, um, is there in terms of equity, in terms of X's, right? So it's one thing to scale and grow another one. Um, as you build a team, right? And as you uh, potentially think about replicating the model, is there, um, A, I'm really interested that there's a, there's a holding company on top of it. Right. Um, so structurally, that's a light bulb thing for me. I'm like, this is cool. I should have asked that earlier. Mm -hmm. um, structurally, are there, maybe the word is warrants or is there some part partitioned area of ownership in wrong way and or the holding company on top of it and or some side business uh, or other business inside of the entities that will be uh, for employee share ownership or is this not a thing where you think there's an exit uh, to Hilton 20 years from now where everybody gets rich? Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know what, the future is going to hold sure. for an exit for wrong way. It was kind of like selecting technology. Just make sure that you put the structure in place exactly. um, so that you're positioned so that you can do that. Yeah. So our organizational structure is kind of a, a nod to that. We've got the holding company. We've got a management LLC Sick. that is, you know, the entity that is, you know, the main entity that manages wrong way as an yep. LLC. And the main reason for that is that it doesn't complicate property number two right. and property number three. 
the investors in wrong way are the investors in wrong way. Right. And if we went for number two, you know, we could separate, things. separate that and that protects the investors in the here. It doesn't prevent us from moving fast on property number two, but there's still a level of trust. Right, like, yeah. you know, we've got this investment group and if property number two is a great opportunity and they want to go along for the ride again, then, you know, that's a pool that we're going to tap first yeah. uh, and give them that opportunity. And we've proven that we can make it hum happen with property number one. Yeah. Right. Um, so Place exists. Yeah. Check. That's <laughs> yeah. better than a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of businesses and software, let's say, you know, never get out of beta, never get out of the idea and iteration phase. And we are standing, sitting in, a, in the boardroom. Right. Um, this place is real. And there are guests downstairs. Yeah, and that's I, incredible. I can't emphasize enough, like how just amazing it is that we're here. Um, but also now looking back, my wife, we were at a, uh, a like an outdoor uh, Halloween haunted farm, you know, and she's looking around. And there's all these people, like hundreds of people. She's like, "Why didn't we come up with this idea first? It was like an idea. Everybody Anybody has can. an idea. Yeah. And it is 10% of making a business real. The, the 90% of execution is so difficult and it could go wrong a thousand different ways. Right. Um, so anybody can have an idea that does not make a new business. It's so easy to come up with a new idea. Um, so, the fact that we were able to bring it from new idea into a real thing, I feel really blessed. And, you know, that community that has helped us make it into a real thing, I, you know, yep. can't thank them enough yep. for that. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> listeners uh, far and wide, thank you. I mean, yeah, you're, you are making it. And I, I'm <laughs> hitting it there because that community has helped you make it. Um, we're going to... We're going to land this plane. A couple things I want to quickly shout out. If you made it to these cheap seats, please stand by. Join our email list and or follow us on Instagram because we are back in that getting humans back together world of um, that I, I dreamt of when thinking about making it in Asheville. And so our next event will be here at the wrong way, Riverside Lodging Cabins. And so... Um, there are some details that we're going to be ironing out. Capacity should not be a problem, but weather depending could be. And so stand by. Don't just show up. Um, RSVP so I can uh, help the team here know exactly how many people we're going to get to um, uh, get together for that event. Uh, you'll see that on makingitinashville.com. Thank you for making it all the way to the back of this episode. There will be links everywhere, but just in case, how might the listeners find you if they wanted to type it in themselves either into a, a website or to Instagram or whatever platforms you care about. Wrongwaycampground.com, at wrongwaycampground on Instagram and Facebook, and at wrongwaycampground on... Oh, we're the, everywhere. The damn near the everything else. Yeah, we're, we, I mean, we got... You guys are hot in TikTok? We I got, we got, we got, I mean, you know, we're nascent. Sure. TikTok, Pinterest, um, we're all over the place. Yep. We just... You know, content is hard. 
So her, yeah, find us on there. the Googler. <laughs> yeah, look, check out um, Google Maps. If you don't know where this is, uh, definitely check out Google Maps. But it is um, worth a visit if you're going to be in town for a night or if you're going to be in town uh, forever because you live here. Uh, come check it out. Thank you both so much for the time today and for going deep on some of these uh, business questions outside of the brand. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Tony, it's everything. We've come so far. We've (laughs) come so far. I loved it, man. Thank you so much for the conversation. It was a privilege. It was a privilege.